Hello, hello everyone. Hello, my dear friends. I'm Peter Resnick and welcome to the Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. Today I'm talking to you from Texas. I, Gary Null graciously offered me his office. Thank you, Gary. Gary is right here. You can say hi. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. And for all of you who are listening to Peter Resnick over two and a half years, we all feel privileged because Peter brings a soft energy, but with a soft energy also comes a very powerful message. And when we listen, we learn. Thank so you. I'm going to sit here along with everyone else and learn. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> I'm actually humbled and now getting anxious because now I have a reputation to live up to. <laughs> Well, today, uh, once again, we'll have an open mic show. Uh, please feel free to call me anytime uh, if you have a question, a comment regarding the subject we're discussing. But if you have a problem uh, physically uh, and will be willing to share it with our audience, I will gladly work with you on the air. Uh, just remember that my specialty is mind-body integrative therapy. So whether you're dealing with um, relationship challenge or anxiety, depression, or some physical problem, I will be happy to talk to you and see if I can be of any assistance. The number here to call is 888-874-4888. Again, 888-874-4888. Also, if you have trouble listening to us uh, because of the internet problems, um, you can call by using Listen Live by phone number, and it is 641-793-7091, 641-793-7091. Well, as usual, I want to start with a little show and tell I read this beautiful, beautiful poem by Robert Bly. Uh, it's called Accept Love. The guest is inside you and also inside me. You know, the sprout is hidden inside the seed. We're all struggling. None of us has gone far. Let your arrogance go and look inside. The sky, the blue sky opens, opens up farther and farther. The daily sense of failure goes away. The damage I have done to myself fades. A million suns come forward with the light when I sit firmly in that world. I hear bells ringing that no one has shaken inside love. There is more joy than we know if rain pours down, although the sky is clear of clouds, there are whole rivers of light. The universe is shut through in all parts by a single sort of love. How hard it is to feel that joy in all our bodies. Those who hope to be reasonable fail 
the arrogance of reason, has separated us from love. With the word reason, you already feel miles away. How lucky Kabir is that surrounded by all this joy, he sings inside his own little boat. His poem amount to one soul meeting another. Those songs are about forgetting dying or loss. They rise above both coming and going out. This was a poem written by Robert Bly, uh, reminding us about the great Indian mystic Kabir and his ecstatic poems. Okay. Uh, I also would like to remind you something I already spoken here before uh, about jumping the train. I spoke about it, I think, last year. Some of you probably know that there is a Jewish New Year now. It just happened the last uh, Friday and Saturday, and then the Jewish New Year spreads, extends through 10 days, and it ends in what is called Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And the idea is that on Yom Kippur you can pray and your destiny will be changed. Whatever verdicts were made about your life, they can be changed if you pray, if you cry from the heart. Actually, a joke comes to, me, to my mind. There is a story about one rabbi walking on the street on the day of Yom Kippur, and it's also called the Day of Dread, because people are afraid. Will I live or not? What will happen to me? So when he's walking and he's smiling, he's looking at people, greeting them, and his students think that he went cuckoo. How can he be so happy? So they walk over quietly, discreetly, say to him, Rabbi, do you know what's happening? Do you know what's happening today? He says, what is happening today? You know, we, today we are judged. Today is Yom Kippur. We are judged whether we live or not. And the rabbi said, yes, yes, of course I know. So how can we be so happy? He says, I have a secret. What's the secret? The judge is my father. So that's the joke. So the idea is that, and that is according to one tradition of Judaism. But I want to tell you something about physics. In modern physics, there is a concept uh, about multiverses. And that is the idea. And again, I'm not a physicist. It's just uh, read what smart people write. So the concept is that there is a possibility that our universe is not the only universe that exists, that there are multiverses. In fact, millions or billions or infinite amount of universes. And somehow, I do not know how they arrived it. And again, not all physicists in the world uh, adhere to this position, but many do. And the idea is that one day of our human day, one day in the universe, all these universes somehow intersect. And you can literally jump the train. You can go from one universe to another. And it made me think, my God, this is exactly what we are talking about. 
of the day of Yom Kippur, that you can jump the train. You can go from one universe to another. You can change your life. That is, if we think about infinite universes, in one universe, uh, uh, Gary Null is sitting right now, is talking to you, and Peter Resnick is sitting next to him. Uh, or, <laughs> again, infinite possibilities. And depending on what choices we make, or how we appeal to that infinite mind we call God, or, or as Larry Dossi calls this, one mind, or some people call it the source of all being, depending on our relationship in this particular day, depending on our cry from the heart, we can actually go from one universe to another. We can move ourselves to a different space in our life. So why is it, why am I sharing it with you? Because I shared, I spoke to some of my clients who are atheists or who are not Jewish, and I said, listen, if this is true, Judaism talks about this special day as, as a possibility to make this tremendous change. And physicists are saying also it's possible. Why don't you, just to be on the safe side, what do you have to lose? Give it a try. If you have a serious illness, speak from the heart and say, I am ready to make changes. I am willing to make that leap into uncertainty. I will take a risk. And think, examine your life. Think of what changes need to be made. Think of if that is true. And always, I'm not asking you to change your mind forever. Give it a try now for one day and then watch for 30 more days what happens with your life. And then I would be happy to hear from you, uh, or you can call, or you can write and say if you notice any changes. That is, make a decision to cha make changes in the way you live, to stop being a slave of habitual life. Yesterday I heard Gary Null speaking to pe people who came for this retreat, and he spoke about not being a slave, not living habitually, living in truth. And so often we don't live in truth. We make up stories, we make up excuses to ourselves, to other people. The most important is living in truth and having the courage to follow what you believe is true. One thing is to know what is true. Another one is to make a leap. And if you make that leap and you say, from my heart, whatever you want to call it, universe, nature, parallel universes, please, whoever is running the show, I am ready to make a shift. But then live it. You cannot just say promise and not do it. And then see if there are any changes. Maybe it is indeed a special day. In my personal experience, I, I, I had observed it being true. But you will see for yourself. And I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback. Okay? Good. Now, as I, I recently um, started this new journey with you, and I think I shared with you that this new venture is the biggest intellectual challenge of my life. And uh, it is because it's easy for me to talk about what I've been doing for 45 years. And again, if you call, you know, I've dealt with so many different issues that something usually comes in my mind uh, that is most of the time helpful to people. 
at least to, to start, at least to initiate a change. But to talk about something that I am not a specialist, I can say that I'm more or less a specialist in my field of mind-body integrative therapy. But I'm not a specialist on spiritual issues. I'm just a student like all of you, those of you who choose a spiritual path. And again, uh, there are people, 37% statistically, consider themselves either agnostics or uh, atheists. But 63% of American people consider themselves either spiritual or religious. So I speak to all of you. Even those who are atheists, listen to what I say. It may be interesting, may be entertaining. And maybe what I will be talking about, or what I have been talking about it now for the last two weeks, uh, uh, is a set of stories, call them archetypal stories, that you may benefit from. And it is, of course, I'm talking about the Bible, or what we call the Torah. The Hebrews call it Torah, which literally means instruction. And the reason I started talking about the Torah is because the show is called Dr. Peter Resnick's Toolbox. And I spoke about so many, many tools in these two, two years and nine months. But the most powerful tool of all that I know, I haven't spoken about just because I feel myself being a student, even though I did not grow up religious, uh, I did not grow up following any religion or any spiritual uh, path. And I started uh, studying seriously uh, my tradition in which I was born 30 years ago. I, I took in 1990, 33 years ago, I took my first course and I started not with normative uh, uh, religion, but, but with the, what call it, you can call mi mystical aspect, mystical branch called Kabbalah. And I've been studying it for 33 years. And yet I still consider myself a novice. Uh, just because it's not something that I do every day, uh, there are certain concepts I utilize in my work and in my everyday life. And yet I am really a beginner and I'm not being um, how do you call it, false modesty or whatever it's called in English, uh, I really feel that I'm a beginner. And yet it's an incredible tool that inspired thousands, uh, for, for thousands of years, millions of people. And I, through my studies, I learned more or less uh, enough, and I say more or less because I, I'm still questioning whether or not I'm qualified to do what I've been doing now with you for the last two weeks. But I, I dare to, to talk about the verses of the Torah. And as again, as I said, the reason I chose this subject because the Torah literally means a book uh, of instruction. And since the first verse of the Torah says, Bereshit bara Elohim et hashamayim ve'et haharis. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. So, and we read it in the Torah. So we know there is a creative impulse. You can call it uh, one mind. You can call it the source of all being. But we are told that this source of all being created the whole world. And we read it in the book of instruction. So 
uh, yesterday as I was introducing uh, myself to the people who attended, who came to attend this workshop, I was telling them, somebody once asked me a question, what is your Torah? What Can you explain what it is in few words? I said, absolutely. There are four words that stand for the whole, whole Hebrew Bible. One word is a creator, because the creator, we read in the Torah, created the world. The second word is instruction. So the creator gives instruction. The third word is community, because the whole Torah, the whole Hebrew Bible is about creating functional community. And the fourth word is boundaries. Boundaries. So the Creator gives us uh, a set of instructions so that we would create functional community. And in order to that community to be functional, you need to have boundaries. The same precedent we have in, in biological life. What is cancer? Cancer is broken boundaries. Uh, uh, cells live in harmony, in symbiosis, yes? All cells, we have three, uh, 50 to 70 trillion cells, some say 40 to 70 trillion cells, depending on the size of your body. But we have these trillions of cells in our bodies. Each one has its own individual consciousness. Kenneth Pert, former chief of biological psychiatry at the National Institute of Health, said, in every cell, interpretations are registered as physical events. Our cells interpret they're all thinking cells. They're all contributing, listening to our body. And the way we interact with ourselves in the world will send messages to ourselves. So when, and we'll, we spoke about it already many times in the past, of how our thoughts affect those cells. So cancer is literally a, a group of cells breaks through its boundaries and breaks into and violates integrity of other cells and groups of cells. That's what cancer is. So you can apply the same concept to your life, your social life, your biological life, your emotional life. So, as I said, number four is boundaries. It's the most, the most important thing to learn if you want to live a healthy life. But let's go back to uh, our subject of going chapter by chapter through the five books of Moses. And we already started with the first chapter. I remind you, we have altogether 187 chapters. And so far, in the last two shows, we managed to cover 13 verses. Only 13 verses. Out of 31 verses of the first chapter, it, it took us two hours to cover 13 verses. So now we are going with the verse 14. It will go a little faster. And God said, let there be a light in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the light. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. So, where does the calendar come from? From the Torah, from the days. That's where we're given days, weeks. We're commanded to count 
years and days to keep track of passage of time so that the future in the future when human beings mature they will be able to know when to work when to rest and when to observe holidays so it's a very very strict a uh, very strict rule in the hebrew uh, tradition to count the days because there is a proper time again i've mentioned to you about boundaries there is i think it's written in ecclesiastes there is time to to sow there is time to reap so there is, everything has its own timing i i remember somebody was telling me i was 17 years old and i was dreaming about having a white dress for for months and months i fantasizing was fantasized about having this beautiful white dress now i'm 50 years old and i have a white dress and i feel sad i look at myself i feel sad i feel sad because i did not get that white dress everything is timing now she doesn't need that white dress but when it's the right time it makes all the difference you can feel happy so think about doing things at the proper time the, <laughs> i actually remember now a commercial about bed timing uh, a man and a woman are sitting in the cafeteria and she says says i love you and there is quiet he says nothing so she's in tears she gets up walks away and then after <laughs> he says i love you too bad timing so it's very important order is very important order is part of those boundaries we need to create order in our life keep boundaries and do things time and age appropriate what i am doing now is not what i was doing at the age of 23 25 and by the way if you have children it's a very good idea to introduce to them the idea of age appropriate by the way that's what you heard me speak about my children that was one of the things that i i think i succeeded <laughs> teaching children about boundaries and what is age appropriate uh, i remember when erand was 5 years old and he wanted to do something i wanted him not to do it or the opposite i don't remember what it was about but he said but why not and i said well i cannot explain to you yet he said why not he said because it's not age appropriate i said look do you like teletubbies and and you know it they you've had this ridiculous show teletubbies tinky winky paw so i said do you like teletubbies he said no this is for babies hanna wants his sister hanna wants to watch it i said you see but there was time when you love teletubbies and now you watch barney's but i am telling you in another couple of years you will look at at barney and say that's for children you will maybe you will like kayu and then you will like other shows that's age appropriate so you learn things according to your age right now you have to say my dad knows what is age appropriate he will accept it so it, i think it's a good idea to introduce this but i'm digressing i get excited so what we are learning as i said is to be aware of time and what is appropriate what is not from the beginning of the creation of the universe remember god separates light from darkness god separates uh, water from the earth 
So always knowing the boundaries. This is the main thing about living a healthy life, knowing where the boundaries are and keeping the boundaries, staying within the boundaries, not, not interfering with somebody's bar boundaries, not barging in and yet keeping your, your integrity. Then you can be whole. Uh, again, I, another story comes to my mind. B.E., uh, Black Elegance, many, uh, a number of years ago, interviewed me uh, on uh, what it was, uh, Valentine's Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day, because they were writing an article about uh, relationships and they wanted my input, what I was thinking about it. And they said, talk us about finding your other half. And I said, I will tell you about finding the other half. That's a tragedy. Because if you're looking for the other half and you're half, each of you is trying to pull the other one to make you whole. You need to be whole. You need to find ways to be whole on your own. Then two holes meet and create a new whole. Not a baby, but emotional baby. They create a relationship which is whole. One is not sucking life out of the other. So I, I don't think it's a good expression finding your other half. Again, I keep repeating it, but I kind of want to uh, instill it in your mind. Boundaries are super important. Let's go to 15th verse. And let them, and let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. 16th verse. And God made two li great lights the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the nights and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth, to rule over day and over the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, there was morning, fourth day. So. Why so much detail are given and so much time spent in talking about the stars, the, the sun, the moon, in the times when people worshipped the sun and the moon? That's precisely why it is written in the text. Because at that time, in the time when the Torah, 3,380 years ago, when the Torah was given, People worshipped rocks, people worshipped the sun, worshipped the moon, and the Torah, the text of instruction is saying, no, 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 I created all this. Don't worship that which, which can produce nothing. You talk to me, I am not visible, but you talk to me because I am consciousness, I am spirit. Don't talk to the rocks. And I created them for a purpose not to rule, but to serve, to serve as boundaries between day and night, between light and darkness. Also, a couple of weeks ago, when I read, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth, I said that the Creator, or God, organized heaven and earth. Under heaven, we understand the spiritual realm, and on the earth, we understand all matter, including earth. But here, the verse 17 refers to heavens 
as outer space, beyond, beyond the earth, because it says, and God set them, the stars, the sun, the moon, in the expanse of the heavens to give light to the earth. So it seems confusing, and confusion is growing. I'm not just building a suspense, uh, but, but it's true. It's very confusing. Remember I told you that uh, I will get to the chapter 2 and verse 5, and everything will become much, much clearer. But it sounds kind of confusing. There is repetition. And yet the sages teach there is not one letter in the Torah that is wasted. And here we hear over and over and over the same thing. It's coming. Verse 20, And God said, Let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created, remember I told you the word create is bara, the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves, which the water swarm according to their kind and every wild bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. It's interesting because some cultures worship the sea monsters. So now we are also learning even the monsters, all the creatures are created by God. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on earth. And there was evening, there was morning, the fifth day. Verse 24, we're getting to something super interesting. So I want you to be excited. If you need to do something, now, do because I want you to be there for the coming verses. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind, livestock and creeping things and beasts on the earth according to their kind. And it was so. Excuse me, I will have my ginger tea, as you know. Hmm. So good. <clears throat> we are getting closer, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 25. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind, and livestock according to their kind, and everything that creeps according to their kind. And God saw it was good. Now we are coming to the most important stuff. And God said, let us make men in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, we arrived now to this sentence that is the foundation of everything I teach. Everything that I do, whether it's mental imagery, dream work, uh, dealing with will, uh, mor human morphology, that is face reading, all is in this verse. In fact, all the tools that I shared with you over the last two years and nine months are rooted in this verse. A human being is created in the image and likeness, <clears throat> in the likeness of the Creator. Notice it is written, and let them have dominion over fish. Kudem, human, the Hebrew word sounds like 
Vayomer Elohim. You already know this name. Elohim means God uh, or all powers. Vayomer Elohim naase Adam betzal meinu kidemuteinu. And the word Adam for human comes from the word, <coughs> excuse me, Adama, meaning earth. God created something that from the earth, and it, God's creation, Adam, was in plural. Because when it is written them, it means uh, it's more than one. So why does this verse pay, pay so much attention uh, to, to the tense? How many? Simple. Every single quality we possess, every single action we take, is a minute, how do you call it, a miniaturized copy of what God has and does. Remember, we are an image and likeness of the Creator. So we, when people say, Oh, no, 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 we don't. Of course, I, God doesn't have eyes. When it's written, God has, uh, I can see, God doesn't have eyes. No, God can see. We can see in image and likeness of God, as God sees. But God doesn't need eyes. God is aware instantaneously of everything in the universe. We have a small apparatus called the eyes through which we see. So God can God doesn't have hands because it's written in the Torah with a strong hand I took you out of Egypt. Yes, God has real hands, which means God has the power of reaching out and constructing and doing. And we are small miniaturized copy of God. So to to have something physical and moving around, we got arms. The same thing with legs and the same thing with every organ. We'll get to it, how actually I approach the treatment. You don't treat the symptom. You don't treat the arm. You treat the, the idea of the movement. You don't treat the eyes. You treat the idea of seeing. In fact, uh, many years ago, uh, uh, Dr. My, my friend and mentor, Dr. Gerald Epstein, went on Heraldo show with a man who had permanent optical nerve damage. Uh, he, he was driving on the highway, suddenly he stopped seeing, and he had to put a kind of emergency light because it, like, his vision became dimmer and dimmer. He had to stop the car. And then they, he diagnosed, they diagnosed him in Boston Clinic as having permanent eye damage. But Jerry met him and Ask him about vision, not what happened with his eyes. Forget about diagnosis. And he found out that this, this man uh, had a daughter who he loved very much, and she married, quote, the wrong man, and left New York, went with him California. And even worse, they had a child. And this man's wife, of course, was corresponding with her daughter, and the child was born, and the wife received the photograph and said, oh, look, we have a granddaughter. And he refused to see. He said, I don't have a daughter. And of course, we know inside he was suffering. He refused to see. That's your permanent nerve damage. 
and uh, when Jerry brought this, came with this person on Heraldus show, this person had 20-20 vision. First, they addressed what? Their idea behind vision of what he could not see. Then, he, then he gave uh, man mental exercises to improve his eyesight. But it didn't have to be mental exercises. Maybe some medication would work. Maybe vitamin supplements would work. Whatever way you choose to, to treat the symptom is fine. But you first have to deal with that which was at the genesis of the problem, of the breakdown. Okay? Now... Let me think, I, I, I'm watching my time. By the way, I, I got excited talking about this 26th verse. Again, if any of you have questions, even regarding these verses or questions about life or comments, please feel free to call. I will be happy, I will be happy to, uh, to respond. Uh, though, frankly, I know my equipment, I don't know how I would actually recognize that that you called probably they will call me from from the studio uh, i don't know but anyway uh, so far i didn't don't hear any calls so god is a creator of everything in god's life so that is a real everything every speck of dust every star every planet every drop of water Every alligator, every blade of grass, every human being, we humans uh, being created in the image of, in likeness of God, are also creators, but everything within our life, every person we meet, every circumstance we find ourselves in, every argument we have, every car accident we go into, Every hurricane or an earthquake that people on the planet experience. But of course, this is very important to understand. The closer people to us uh, in spatial or relational proximity, the greater is our own contribution. To, to having that relationship. For example, here I have Gary Null. We have a relationship. For us to create the other person in his life, we needed to be open. I had to be open to certain ideas. Gary had to be open. He interviewed me 25, you know, 30 years ago on his, uh, on his I believe, on... on um, National Public Radio or WBAI, he had to be open. You know, at that time, I, you know, I, you see, you hear me struggling with English now. At that time, I spoke English, uh, even not even as well. So he had to be open. Yes. You have Ju Judith from Rockland County. Oh, wonderful! Let's take the call. Judith from Rockland County, you're on the air. Thank you for calling. Hi, Peter. It's Judy. Hi. Hi, Judy. I have, I, I have a question. In my Chumash, it says in yes. English, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Who's our? 
Ah, yeah, yeah, thank you so much. You are so wonderful. <laughs> that's, a that's a very good question. In fact, there is no... In the, yes. I'm going to hang up the phone and listen online. Yes, yes. Thank you for the question. Thank you for the question. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, Judy just challenged us and took, got me in trouble. I tell you why. Because that will throw us into a huge talk uh, that can that also only addressed is in Talmud. I am not a specialist on Torah, but Talmud is even more complex. So it's um, it's true. It's written. Let us make. And in fact, in Talmud, it's written that uh, Moses actually spoke. I am, I'm, I'm actually not sure if it's in Talmud or it's in Midrash. Midrash, it's another part of holy writings. But it's written that Moses, when, when, um, when God dictated to Moses the Torah, and it's the first beginning, and, and when God said, let us make men in our image after our likeness, Moses objected and said, God, Hashem, let's not do that. Let's not write, let's us make men, because you teach me that there is only one God. They will misinterpret. They will think that it's many gods. Let's write, let me. Dr. Resnick, uh, and the, from the Bronx. Yes, thank you. I will f finish the sentence and we will take Daryl's call. And so, and uh, um, it's written that God's answered those who want to misinterpret will misinterpret. Write what I say. Again, the interpretation, as I gave you um, last week, is that it's meaning all powers. Another also interpretation the sages have is that before God created a human being, God created angels. And even though God is the creator of angels and everything, God teaches us to be considerate. Since he was not the only one during the time of creation, he said, let us make, even though he is the maker. Just like sometimes we say, uh, let's do something. But in reality, it's not uh, everybody that will be doing it. You will be making an effort. And yet you say, let us to make people feel like they're participating. Uh, I hope, Judy, uh, I answered your question. And now we have Daryl on the air. Daryl, you are welcome. Thank you for calling. Dr. Resnick, thank you so much for... Yes, uh, hi. Can you hear me? Yes, I hear uh, you very well. And everybody well, hears thank you. Thank you. Um, this is a great lead-in because that's, this is what I was calling you about to begin with. Uh, if you... Mm -hmm. Look at uh, the uh, Apostle John's book. He starts out yes. with defining Jesus. And he mm -hmm. defines Jesus as the Word. So if you go back to Genesis 1 1, and mm -hmm. you, you, you look at how creation was created, and then yes. if you go to the question that Judy just uh, the 
the point that Judy was just making, well, well, what is the hour? So there is one God with three mm-hmm. persons. fits directly into that, meaning that you have the Father, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have Jesus mm-hmm. as the as the commander. So in this instance, the Father speaks to the Holy Spirit, so he uses the word, Jesus, mm-hmm. to command the Holy yes. Spirit to do the work. And so I was laughing when you were talking about Moses correcting the deity, which often when, mm-hmm. when the human is confused and the lesson before the human is, uh, quote-unquote, uncomfortable, unpleasant to the person who has the lesson, then the mm-hmm. question is, well, I don't see it that way. Well, guess what? If you have only part of the picture, then how are you able to make a determination to the person who has the whole picture? So we mm-hmm. depend on our senses, uh, sight, sound, um, feeling, taste, as the arbiters of our world, when in fact they're easily deceived and present oftentimes present the lies that we need in order for Lucifer to be victorious. And so mm-hmm. getting back to the original thing is the, 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 the triune being of uh, I am Agape, the Father Yahweh, mm-hmm. um, which, which is what I've learned to to in to to refer to Yahweh as, is because once again, a lot of this is New Testament. But when he speaks to um, I think it's Moses. Was it Exodus three fourteen? This is where I am today. I'm like, ooh. Uh, Exodus 3.14, I am. That I am. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. There, uh, there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's, you read two times transla- translated material. But this uh-huh. part I have to make a correction because wh- what you said till, till now is very interesting, particularly to our Christian uh, listeners. Because it's a it's one way Christian people interpret um, th- this this uh, piece of uh, scripture that you quoted. But when you say that um, it's written, uh, "I am that I am," the Torah was translated into Greek and from Greek into English. There is no verb to be in Hebrew language in what? present tense. So it is not written. It's a misinterpretation. I am that I am. There is no such words in Hebrew. And uh, both Christianity and Islam rely on, on the Judaic texts. So there are a lot of mistranslations. For example, there is a, there is a commandment which is totally mistranslated as a sixth commandment, I shall not kill. Absolutely, it's not true. There is no such commandment, I shall not kill. Of course you kill. If you have to protect your family, you have to protect yourself, you kill. There is no, literally means 
thou shalt not murder. Don't right. take premeditatively someone's life. The same thing. Uh, God does not, you're referring to burning, the burning bush, where it's translated incorrectly, I am that I am. No. Uh, it's written, asher literally it means, I will be that I will be. So it's totally, the, the trans interpretation is totally different. And what it refers to is, think about it, if, if it's written, I will be that I will be then, who is talking to Moses? <laughs> if he's not, he will be. But the explanation is, I am that which is in the process of becoming. It totally corresponds right. with uh, quantum, th quantum theory, that quantums are in constant motion. There is tremendous space between them. And that's what we are on a subatomic level, whether it's my arm, a computer in front of me, or, or your body, or a tree outside. So, so the idea is that everything is in the process of becoming. We are taught there is no uh, ultimate uh, state. There is no ultimate place to arrive to. We are all unfolding. Nobody is pure evil. Everybody is in the process. Nobody is condemned. He, he or she is in the process. Uh, that's, I think, it's a very different interpret interpretation that was made uh, by uh, those who just read um, translated texts. So I just wanted to make a comment on that. But but you, you made totally a very agree, good... I have yes. heard that, and forgive me because I was reading out of the, the text. But, however, that totally... Um, it, 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 it totally... Um, commensurates or, or is the is the is the representation of and I'll use the word a, a God that is required as we move along so that as the science catches up with the revelations in scripture more and more it's borne out and unfortunately people want to hold on to what they're comfortable with. So I thank you for bringing that, bringing to 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 to, to light or to this conversation that yes. it's a continuing process. And thank you mm -hmm. so much. Yes, yes, absolutely. It is the continuous. That's absolutely true. And nobody holds. I have to say, no matter what your interpretations you hear from me, uh, or what Daryl says. It's not the ultimate truth. We're all students, and we're all trying to understand the eternal text and doing the best we can. So I'm glad that you introduced also your way of thinking, Daryl. Thank you very much for calling. And, and continue sharing yes. the thoughts, and, and I will continue to learn. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Daryl. I still have five more minutes. So now let's keep in mind that God conceived us with all creative powers to be mini-gods in our own domain, in our own lives. I just want to cover one more because we, we got a little bit sidetracked, but uh, I want to tell you about one more track before we go. And that is the 20, sorry, I said track, one more verse. And that is, so God created man in his image. 
in the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. Ah, and now we are getting somewhere. In the verse 26, the idea of human comes. But the human being is represented through God's will by two genders, not three. There is no ambiguity. Two genders, masculinity and femininity, are quantifiable traits. That is, a man can, be, can have more masculine qualities and, or less masculine. A woman has, can have more masculine qualities or less or feminine and masculine. That can be, like in Chinese medicine, um, they, they have yin and yang, uh, masculine, feminine. And there is more yin sometimes in a person and there is more yang. But there are two genders. There are no three genders. Gender neutral doesn't survive. There is a precedent or analogy in our human body to it. We have trillions of cells. Each cell has its positive and negative charge, masculine and feminine. And if both become positive or both become negative, uh, the cell dies. So this is a kind of uh, uh, universal law of, of masculine and feminine. And you, prob you probably know, even in um, homosexual couples, uh, lesbian couples, one has more masculine quality, one more feminine quality. There is no gender neutrality. So um, I just wanted to say that, uh, and we'll continue with our journey uh, toward the second chapter and fifth verse, when everything suddenly will become very clear. But for now, I want you, uh, I want you to enjoy your contemplation. I hope I stirred up some thoughts mainly for how what we are reading in the Book of Instruction applies to our everyday life, how we create boundaries and keep boundaries to stay healthy and whole. I want to thank you for being with me today. Look forward to having your attention next week. Be happy. Peace to all who want to live in peace. <laughs>